Good afternoon, fellow goons, and welcome to Canada Talk. I'm here this morning, my co-host as usual, Aiden. I did, guys. Games against the Hammers and the Foxes, but let us go down to the Emirates to discuss the, uh, the game against West Ham. Yeah, since it was a home game, as expected, a way more attacking Arsenal. Um, but I mean, of course, we got to also see quite early on in the game, West Ham did, of course, come to more, you know, like Sadiq playing with a, like, roughly two banks of four. And almost like to, like the main game plan was to nullify and frustrate. And I mean, like we went into the match with a squad of Leno holding Gabriel Kolasinac since uh, Kieran Tierney pulled up in the warm-up, pre-match warm-up. I think he's just, I think he jarred his hip, something like that. So he was then taken out as a precaution. Kolasinac got, uh, came in. And then our midfield, or like our, our formation in the middle was Bellerin, Ceballos, Xhaka and Saka. And then in midfield was William and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang with Lacazette spearheading the attack. Uh, it was a very, um, to start off with, you know, you could see the, the um, performance wasn't as comfortable. You yeah. know, even that first few minutes again at Fulham, there was like this game, it, it lacked that bit of, you know, dominance at Arsenal. And I know even had the case of with West Ham kind of, you know, Premier League savvy team, you know, knowing that they can't come to the, the Emirates Stadium and attack. And like you mentioned, they set up with almost like two banks of four looking to frustrate Arsenal. And you could see, for most part, it did work. And I think where you've mentioned in the past, Arsenal missed that bit of attacking midfield, that De Bruyne type player or someone that can just unlock things when things do get a bit frustrating like that. Yeah, because look... Uh... Even though, yeah, we got position like, quite early on in the game, started, you know, like knocking the ball about. I mean, the first real chance that came in the fifth minute to Ekbonna, who ends up, like, I think Arsenal totally uh, lose him in the, in the box. And I think he just gets, a, he manages a free header, but it goes straight into Leno's hand. Because you, if, if West Ham had to go up by a goal, I feel that, you know, they would have probably shut up shop even more than they originally came to mm-hmm. the the Emirates. So, it was that that was missing and I think you could see the importance of Kieran Tierney as well. You know, as the game, the half war on where he has that pass as well, eating that unlocks. You know, that what we're missing with the attacking midfielder. He always looks for space with his balls and passes and I think a David Luiz as well you know, adds that bit of creativity from the back line as well. Yeah. Um, like 15th minute, it was like a shout for penalty for West Ham when Gabriel and uh, Bowen ended up getting, you know, tangled, you know, ch- uh, chasing for the ball. But I mean, after also a very quick VAR check, it was also a judge uh, not to be a penalty. Yeah, that that, that was a, a very good decision as well, in my opinion. I think, you know, Bowen was looking for the the penalty more than anything else there. This is my opinion, though. Uh, then in the 25th minute, finally, the breakthrough. Saka plays the ball through the Hammers defence. Uh, Aubameyang, I think, immediately picks up the sort of, uh, or kind of anticipates what's going to happen. He darts through down the left flank. And, you know, what's becoming also one of his trademarks, and I mean, he's actually getting better, uh, you know, as uh, the, the games like, go along. He dinks the ball over into the, like, the danger area, what we would call that six-yard box area. And like as it comes through and just smashes the ball with a powerful header past Fabianski, one all Arsenal. Yeah, it was a real bullet header of Lacazette. It was, you know, the emphatic header. And I think something we've been crying out for Lacazette in a while. And I think, you know, two in two games yeah. has probably done a world of good for his confidence. And I mean, the VAR, of course, also had to now, you know, the, 
a regular or the standard double checking of the goal. But I mean, it stood because I think it, it was Ekbana's foot was actually just playing uh, Aubameyang on side. But that being said, 36 minute Xhaka uh, gets a bit sloppy again. You know, with that, that passes that you and I always kind of call yeah. him up calling up for he ends up doing this expansive type crossfield pass which gets intercepted and then of course it it, it comes in down to Gabriel to uh, you know manage to, to to mop up the danger. Yeah Gabriel has been quite you know um commanding at the back and, and I've really started to you know slowly take the after not seeing much of him prior to joining and I think you know he's showing that his importance. So the forty fifth minute uh, again, another certain aspect rears its ugly head, as you and I have always been saying uh, in, since we've been doing the podcast together. Lapse in concentration, as we like closing in on half time, allows uh, Ryan Fredericks to whip in across my, uh, my, Mikael Antonio, manages to get himself between holding and Gabriel, and he just smashes the ball past Leno 1 1. I think Colasinet was a bit at fault as well. It's like he switched off you know, the, the, for the cross. Like, he got sucked in, and they played it wide, and before the cross came in, I mean, you could see he was caught in no man's land between going for the ball and, you know, covering the cross, but, you know, he, he should have seen that danger over his shoulder, and it seems time and time again, Kolasinic just doesn't have that nows, um, defensive nows that maybe a TNU would have been able to, to sniff, sniff out. Yeah, so we move on to second half, <clears throat> as frustrating as that was now to end the, the first half. Um, Amazon, of course, come out. They, you can actually see they're becoming now more adventurous. Arsenal, of course, trying to play the sort of game of, of you know, like sucking, you know, like letting them come at, at them. But in a way, it was kind of, or to a degree, backfiring because all of a sudden you could start seeing the, the you know, that real, I wouldn't say cockiness, but that the confidence really, really growing in, in West Ham. And if, what was the third minute, Masuaku? He ends up whooping in a cross into the danger area. Antonio again swoops in, and Leno, I think, just managed to stay, 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 I think, just about on the goal line. Yeah, that was definitely a heart in mouth moment. And I think the confidence has started growing and growing for the Hammers. And, you know, Arsenal were really put to the test in this game. And it's a bit of a warning sign for me that, you know, the moment the team comes to the Emirates and doesn't come there with that um, big. Don't do offence to West Ham with that big team attitude of, you know, we will take you on at the Emirates. Arsenal, all of a sudden, you know, they almost go into a shell and there isn't that, yeah. that explosive game that they showed, like I said, against against Fulham. So it's a bit worrying and I wonder what Arteta will be doing over the next few weeks to rectify that. Yeah, because look, as you now mentioned, 57 minutes, it was like a rules reverse, a rules reverse, sorry. Because West Ham all of a sudden looked like more the attack-minded side. They were playing more of the position game. And, I mean, Arsenal was like just sitting deep. And, and you know, the the ball wasn't really, you know, getting out of our half. Because I think with every clearance, with uh, whatever distribution Leno was doing, uh, the ball just came, you know, come uh, came right back at us again. And I think it was also like me, like watching, and I'm sure most schooners as well, you were getting kind of frustrated because it's like, you know, you're trying to think to yourself, can somebody just get their foot on the ball to some, like, you know, to sort of dictate the pace a bit? Because we were just like, you know, giving up position or giving away like cheap throw-ins and stuff like that. So, 64th minute, uh, Arteta makes a substitution. He brings out Pepe for William, who was, I mean, I wouldn't say ineffective, but I, I just think the sort of workload that was expected, expected really from from Arsenal players, when you have to almost like 
kind of see yourself through those, those two banks of, of four because I think every time Arsenal attacked, they were sitting on like 10 men behind the ball. So it was like, you know, difficult to kind of pinpoint or play something really intricate. So I think you actually needed more of a sort of player like Pepe to kind of draw them out of that little pockets that they were sitting in. So, you know, he makes a change. But of course, a flip side again, West Ham come at us. And I think 67 minutes, Antonio clips the, uh, the crossbar. And I was, you know, I was really, you know, I started to get worried because all of a sudden, we had looked like something that, that we would think now as a guarantee three points was something to look really yes. like a real shaky one point. I mean, I, I would probably put my house in it that Arsenal was going to to take the game, uh, you know, comfortably. And it just seemed like, I don't know if it was confidence from the previous game that turned into cockiness for us, or if it was just, we just don't know how to deal with a team that sits up a shop in front of Arsenal. And the worrying thing is, you know, op- opponents might start thinking, hang on, you know, we can get at this team if we just frustrate them and not come at them because it looks like Arsenal only likes it when a team comes at them and it opens up spaces. And like you said, rightly so, a guy like Pepe came on, you know, to, to kind of maybe cause a bit of havoc as well. But you can see that guy like a Ozil, or I wouldn't say him specifically, but that type of guy yeah. can find spaces and find that pass that can unlock a team. And it just seems like sometimes it's always dependent on the front three whenever we play. And then, of course, also a panic moment then. So late on in the uh, 68th minute, uh, Leno and Sebojos end up colliding. And the, <laughs> the ball then spills out. And it seems like a whole calamity of errors and, and you know, bodies flying around in the box. And I mean, Jared Owen, who was, be, who was actually one of West Ham's uh, best players on the day, besides uh, Antonio, uh, he ends up, you know, firing through almost like, I don't know how many bodies were throwing their, or flinging their bodies in front of the ball which actually gets uh, blocked by the Arsenal defence. So, an- another real warning shot at Arsenal. And, and like you said, it just seems like West Ham started like, controlling the game, taking almost like they were the ones playing at home. And Arsenal it just seemed didn't have any answers for West Ham's questions. Yeah, and then 77 minute uh, n- next substitution for Arsenal. Eden Ketia comes on for Lacazette. Because I think Lacazette also ran himself really into the ground because, look, he was also running also up blind alleys because... The way they, you know, the sort of organised... I mean, also props to David Moyes, because, look, he had a real uh, organised ship going there with that, the way he set his team out. And, I, I mean, for me, for like one of the game-changers, actually, in the game was not really from an Arsenal uh, point of view. For me, the game-changer was the substitution David Moyes made, because, you know, Bowen was keeping our players, like, in check on that one yeah. flank all time. And the minute he brought on Andre Yamalenko... Yamalenko was an out-and-out forward. And all of a sudden, you could see, since he was now not doing the sort of work that Bowen was doing, tracking back, and he just kept up, you know, sitting up, uh, like high up the pitch or on the halfway line. And all of a sudden, you could see Saka, Ceballos, they were starting to think, okay, look, we are getting a, a better outlet, you know. And the, every attack almost was just coming from that side, from the left-hand side of the pitch. And, you know, of course... Pressure then eventually uh, makes West Ham a buckle because Saka then goes on this sort of slalom run. And I mean, again, he's at times he's, he's, his mindset is not like beyond his age because he already, like in that little slalom run, he's already picking up where uh, Sebayos is going to do his little darting run. Sebayos, of course, has a great understanding with, with Saka as well. He, he darts into the open little pocket of space that he manages to get. And of course, Fabianski starts racing down to close up, close this uh, the, the gap, or yeah, close the, the the area of his goal. 
And in that time that, that uh, Fabianski is about to start, you know, spreading himself wide, Sebeus immediately plays a crossfield pass and Eden Ketia is there to slide on the winner. 2-1 Arsenal. Oh, it, was a, it was a big celebration for me, but, you know, it, 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 it should not, not have come to it so late. You know, it should have been a game comfortably where we could have kicked our feet up and, you know, to enjoy, enjoy the game because all of a sudden you're like, whoa, well, we're waiting for that goal and time is ticking, you get the goal and after that you're like, you know, Mr. Riff, please blow, Mr. Riff, please blow. So Arsenal ended up holding on for the second win of the season. And I think they move up again to, what was it, second or third in the league? Of yeah. course, three days. But uh, from what you can pick up from this game is that Arsenal still haven't really sorted out 100%, you know, a team that decides that they want to attack and want Arsenal to come mm-hmm. to them. So... I guess I don't know if it has to mean a formation change slightly instead of um, going uh, the, with a normal 3-4-3, but instead of maybe going a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, just so they can have a, a, an extra attacking body to, to pile pressure on the, the team that's trying to set up shop. I mean, what I actually liked about Arteta's um, post-match interview, he actually did call out the squad with regard to that, because he said it was not, you know, good enough, you know, as a whole, the whole game. But, you know, it, it just shows that they also have, you know, real room for improvement, because it was not like, as you said, it was too close to comf- too close to comfort for uh, this sort of win. Yeah, but, but you look at it in retrospect, and you say as well, you look at Liverpool playing against Leeds as well, you know, 4-3 against a team who just got promoted, so... You know, you have to, I guess, take the points as they come. It's maybe last season or the season before we would have ended up drawing or losing this game. So, exactly. you know, good, good grit for the Gunners, and yeah, you, we we move on to to the Foxes. Yeah, so we end up visiting the King Power Stadium to face Leicester in the League Cup uh, third round. Um, both squads, of course, playing with the majority of the first team. Uh, you know, the key players were. Uh, you know, omitted from this game. And, of course, most were, like, squad players. But, I mean, if you compare the, the, the squads, uh, Leicester actually went with a way more inexperienced side. They kept all, like, you know, their real big guns either out of the game completely or just, you know, a sprinkling of them on the bench. But uh, a fairly youthful Leicester City side. And Arsenal, of course, went with a more, you know, almost like, I want to say mature, but, you know, like, seasoned guys already. Like, even if, if like, people like Willock and them were in, in the squad, but it was more team that, that actually does have first-team experience. So we end up taking the game on there. Arsenal, you know, fly out of the traps, of course, against Leicester. Because I think Leicester also trying to find the feet with this squad, especially. Yeah. And, you know, Nelson then, I think quite early, I think fourth minute, he already forces Danny Ward into a good save, you know, with a goalkeeper to tip the ball over the bar. Yeah, well, you could see Leicester weren't coming there for, you know, to taking this game as a priority for them because they, it, it seemed at one stage they were playing very like you know training ground like almost it was, they were they were the game like lacked a bit of intensity I think the Arsenal players were coming there you know to stake their claim and possibly show you know I belong in the first team I can you know do a job for you because I, mean, I was I was actually quite disappointed in certain players because you know I was really thinking somebody like say Willock or um you know, Pepe was going to kind of force their way to show, look, I deserve to be, yeah. you know, in the first team. But it was like, at times, like certain players, it was like real, like a flag performance. You didn't expect, 
you know, that sort of performance, because look, you, you especially now with, with um, how everybody's, you know, fighting tooth and nail now for their spots in the squad, I was expecting, you know, more from people like that, that, that are now showing, look, I want to be in the, in, in the first team plans and don't really want to be in the League Cup setup. So, I mean, I put a performance here, but, you know, at, at times you didn't see a sort of impact because at times I didn't even know Warlock was playing. Yeah, I, I also didn't know, like, until the commentator said, like, you know, Warlock on the ball, I didn't take note that he was on the field. Because, I mean, El Nenny was trying to cover almost like two or three people's positions. Yeah, that's Saka, Saka was, again, you know, leading the line, like, you know, showing his maturity again. And, I mean, of, of course, it was not good to have also David Luiz in the, in the squad because at times we were also getting a bit sloppy. Although, the only thing that was getting me a bit of my nerves was, you know, David Luiz was hitting those route one balls, but it's, it's, like, since it's still a new squad, like, you know, the way they now were put together today, uh, on that day, they were not really reading, okay, when they're going to have to make the run forward or do they, you know, hold back a bit and he's just going to, you know, hit, do like a hit, you know, for ball because... I don't know how many of the balls just end up, you know, either went into open space and out out of play or straight out by the goalkeeper. Yeah, and, and you just couldn't see, like, a breakthrough happening in that first half, the way the game was going. It was, like I said, a very pedestrian, like, like game with, with teams not, you know, playing, like, the game, like, their lives depend on it. I mean, I'm sure if it was a Premier League game, it could have been, would have been a very different tempo to the game, but it just seemed like people were ambling along throughout the game. So, of course, Saka then starts taking the game with a scruff of the neck. He starts, you know, really getting, uh, you know, kids uh, influential, stringing some parts together and involving other people into the game. Uh, 28th minute, Amati and Saka go. And I don't know if they also somehow get the, the legs kind of tangled, yeah, but it's almost like as uh, Saka was about to pull the trigger, somehow they also get tangled. I mean, I first thought it was a stonewall penalty. Yeah, I, I also thought that I was getting ready to, you know, get up and, and, and like, you know, watch the penalty from a standing position. But then, yeah, penalty not given. Then in 36 minutes, Leno and David Luizen end up colliding. And I'm thinking, <laughs> Luizen, David Luizen just come back from, you know, that, that neck problem that they had. Yeah. How he gets clocked up full in the neck. When Leno smashed him, I think, with the elbow, trying to come through to punch the ball clear. Yeah, it's, like I said, the, the game just kept it ambling on for me and like, you know, half time couldn't have come quick enough because it wasn't, you know, the exciting Arsenal we were used to seeing the, the past few games. Yeah, I mean, we did also have a, a big scale of what was the 40th minute when yeah. Madison ends up beating the post and the ball bounced into Leno's ends. Yeah, I was like, uh, it, it just seemed like, like um, Leicester you know, started growing a bit more in the game and Arsenal, you know, you would have expected having that bit more experienced lineup would have stamped you the authority and like you mentioned it just seemed like Willock you know under Arteta has been one of these players that hasn't you know kind of risen to the occasion and you know put his hand up and said you know I want to be at the, in this team so Arsenal second half then started looking a bit more comfortable on the ball um, I think Leicester were also I want to say tiring but it's almost like that, that the sort of attitude Arsenal came out with they were almost like kind of surprised. They started sitting a bit further back. And only 57 minutes pressure, of course, starts forcing Leicester to buckle. Pepe then forced to move down the right side. The Foxes failed to clear. And then, of course, some freakish defending and <laughs> total movement in the box. 
Pepe then ends up eating the ball. It smashes against the post, <laughs> and it was like a billiard table, uh, you know, a billiard ball, a billiard table. Hits the post, smacks Christian Fuchs on the leg, and bobbles in the in the Leicester goal. One 0 Arsenal. I guess we have to take it all as they come these goals because I've seen many Arsenal goals being conceded like this, so it was nice, you know, to be on the celebrating end of this. And I think why is that goal went in? It was almost like the sails got knocked out of Leicester because you know Arsenal, you know, what were going to take control of it, and Leicester already coming with the inexperienced lineup, you know, just for like you know, ah, you know, that happened. Yeah, and of course, as you said now with that inexperienced part, then you look at Arsenal again, twenty-second minute where. Reese Nelson exits and then William comes into the fray. And look, he's now experienced head. He's also no, you know, the ins and outs of being in this competition with Chelsea. So, of course, he had like a more steadier head, took a bit more control in the game. And then what was the 74th minute? Arsenal starts surging forward more. And Nketia ends up lobbing uh, Ward in, in the Leicester goal. But I mean, Wes Morgan, you know, in his old day, I would say, he is <laughs> racing towards the goal and clearing the ball with the head. Yeah, this could have you know the the scoreline could have been a bit worse if, if you know if Arsenal had to keep on pressing like to 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 push for more. But luckily, you know Leicester, um, their their pride probably kicked in because I mean they they started you know trying to hold off and starting also pushing for that elusive equaliser because there still there was still hope for them in the game. Yeah, and of course, since eight minute, uh, Willock then gets subbed by Sebayos. And I think at the same time, Leicester brought on Ayos Perez. Yeah. And I think he ended up missing, I think, what was the 81st minute, he ended up missing a close-range thing. And yes. it ended up being almost like a free chance that he missed. Uh, he missed here yeah, because our players just did not react in, in, in the right you know, moment. Ball gets floated over to him. And, I mean, he's just there. Almost like he was off-stunned and, uh, with that, you know, that, that opportunity was getting. Yeah, because slow, slow um, so easy. Um, swung the momentum other way if he had to put that in and remain a good confidence booster for you. So Leicester then now putting up a strong, you know, push with the last five minutes of the game. Uh, Arsenal, of course, made also a, a substitution against Saka coming off, Bellerin entering the fray. Uh, Bellerin, of course, in the 90th minute, he ends up on a, going on this mazy run, a bit of Bellerin of the old days, as we remember. He ends up, you know, waltzing through to the Leicester box. Amati kind of intercepts, but you know, it's a half clearance and falls straight to Nketiah. The young Englishman just stabs the ball past the keeper. 2 0 Arsenal game set and match. Yeah, there's a, a good um, great determination for him with that goal. I mean, I, I seem to have liked, I seem to like that Nketiah. That is, you know, he always chases a lot of lost causes whenever he's on the pitch. And like you mentioned, when Bellerin came on, I actually didn't expect Arsenal to get another goal, but. I thought they were just going to shut up shop, but, you know, good good end to the game and good momentum. So, we move our attention now to Monday night's match, uh, Liverpool versus Arsenal at Anfield. The first big crunch in the league for Arsenal is going to be one hell of a test for us. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think, you know, going against a Liverpool side, that is what we're brimming with confidence at the moment. You know, they, they, they dispatched Chelsea. Got you know got through lead, so I don't know. For me, I'm hoping that Arsenal can maybe um, snatch a draw, and that would me for me would be progress against a Liverpool side. I think we're still quite on top of the world. Yeah. So yeah, I think all of his work cut out again when you know he puts his wits against Klopp because it's becoming also you know something what we remember of the Alex Ferguson Wenger days where 
you know, you try to see what sort of chess moves they're going to come to, you know, out with the other. So, of course, both teams will, or they have been unbeaten in the last five games in all competitions. Um, there are doubts, of course, you know, injury-wise with the, with the players for Liverpool, and I think somewhat for Arsenal. Um, the big question marks for the Liverpool squad is, will Joe Gomez be fit? Will Jordan Henderson, who's actually been, like, the, you know, the midfield talisman, will he be fit because he's also nursing an injury? Well, I mean, Arteta hopes that Ken Tierney has, you know, overcome his hip injury and, you know, he'll be ready to go for the for the league match. I think you'll be a pivotal part to have in this team, you know, whether or not you decide to go with um, your back three of either uh, Gabriel, Luis and him, I think that would be quite a solid you know, back three, or you have the option of holding Luis, Gabriel, and you have Kieran Tierney as a, a left wing back, so it's going to be, I, I would like to see the way Arteta goes in this game, you'll probably go with the 3-4-3, but does he throw Alneni in, in the centre of the park? Or, or does he go with the Seveos? So, I mean, look, that's going to be a, a tight affair that we know. And I think if we can get anything points-wise, whether it's, you know, one or three, it will be a massive, massive bonus. Because, you know, this early in the season, and, and you know, if we can at least just start raking in that points now already, yeah. then at least know. Because, look, we're going to also have a, a, a hell of a stretch of games now coming up also. You know, after that, you know, like, um, with regards to just league now, because I think down the line we still got some like Man City, we still got, um, I think Leicester City in the league as well. So and Man United, yeah, and Man United. So it's gonna be, you know, I think we we can clock up points, but you know, as you and I have been saying, discussing also always since we've been doing the podcast, I also don't want us to like say get carried away, but I actually like this thought of you know where we can say okay, we're playing Liverpool, we see if we can get that job done. After that, you, you know, if whether it's you know a positive whatever result, you can kind of you know be, be happy and whatever about it for a day or so. But you know, already the, the mind must be again set for the next game, the next game, and like that. And I think that is so, like sort of the mind game we're gonna have to do it now. Yeah, I, I definitely do believe that you know, this is a game like a perfect example where they say it's a marathon and not a sprint. Yeah. So, you know, a point against Liverpool for Arsenal at this stage, you know, is, is golden. You take you take your away points against the big six, and you know when they come against at the home, you you kind of you know try to put them away. But I think maybe this also plays into Arteta's hands, where Liverpool will come out try to boss the game, and Arsenal will be able to play that counter-attacking game that's been worked for them so well. Because I mean, they already said like Arteta, somebody you would have probably now you know fully studied the Liverpool performance against Chelsea, or actually all the, the league performances so far. And probably like you know, really, you know, like you know, nitpick where the weakness has been in in actually the Liverpool defence. Because look, Van Dijk has not been so solid as he was in the title-winning season. Yeah, he, he's showing like you know a little rick in his game. And you've got Allison also who's doing you know he's he's of course capable as always, but he's also showing so like he was, he's also vulnerable because if you think of that Leeds game. There wasn't some of that the chances that he also kind of fluffed up also. Yeah, Arsenal, I guess Arsenal has to take advantage of the fact, you know, as we've seen it time and time again, teams that win the league, you know, some teams like are able to you know, do it again and again, but some teams also, you know, take their foot off the, the, the accelerator slightly and you can see, you can maybe get at them because there's a bit of motivation 
you know, you can, I know some players say they're still motivated and everything, but there's a bit of motivation aspect. You probably lose slightly once you win the league after, you know, pushing for it so long. Like, we've never seen Arsenal been able to do it, you know, back to back. So, a game like this is a big test for Liverpool as well. And they've not been playing their best. And I think they were quite, I wouldn't say, you know, fortunate for winning the game, but the circumstances which against Chelsea mm-hmm. with a red card, because it could have been a very different game. So, yeah, let's hope Arsenal are up for it because, you know, we're not going to have to, we're not going to have to just come up against Liverpool once, but we're going to have to do it twice in a week. No, yeah, I mean, for me, it's almost like Arteta is also becoming now a sort of coach that he relishes this, take, you know, taking on this, uh, like the top teams and, you know, really frustrating them and, and like, you know, in other words, also annoying them because you could see, if you think of the, the like, last season's, Man City game, the Liverpool, uh, the Liverpool game in the in the league, game in the FA Cup final. He has been almost like he knows like if they're gonna come out with that, that full wing attack or wing back attack of these like all three of the, the teams I mentioned. If you can nullify that, and you you force them almost like down to the like, where you want them to be in the channels you want them to be, then he thrives at that. And, and I mean, it's almost like the team as a whole also love that sort of challenge. Yeah, we we've seen a different type of Arsenal when it comes to these, you know, big occasions relative to before. It's almost like Arsenal got stage fright when it when it when it really mattered. And I think Arteta's, you know, uh, like you said, you know, motivated the team to, you know, I want to put on a show, I want to put on a performance and beat these guys. And I, and I don't know if maybe also lack of crowd has been playing to Arsenal's favor as well. Yeah. Then we switch our attention into the Carabao Cup uh, fourth round, where it's again going to be Liverpool versus Arsenal. Uh, of course, Liverpool coming off a 7-2 victory against uh, League One side, Lincoln City. But I think Klopp will again, you know, take more risks with his squad. I think he's going to probably, you know, really fill the squad with youngsters because if you look at the sort of squad that he put in a few nights, like the other night, the no, last night, sorry, it was like, I think four seniors and the rest were youngsters. You know, most of the under twenty and twenty-three squad he put in the in the League Cup side. And we I think we we, we Arsenal again will be well this is again some you know something that we were talking about the other day about the way Arteta treats the, the League Cup. It's something the the you know the way his mentor Pep also used to treat the, the League Cup where he he wants to win this trophy at all costs no matter what. So even if it means him playing a full strength team against like say a lowly team or a, you know team full like a senior Premier League team full with youngsters, he's gonna put that kids or whatever to the sword and teach or like you know teach them a lesson once and for all. Yeah, and, and you go look at it. If Arsenal you know overcome the likes of um, Liverpool, you know you you knock one of the big boys out of the Carabao Cup, and suddenly you know you can see your 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 name in lights because you know European football slowly going to come back, yeah. and you and you have to wonder like you know. Are the Man Cities and Liverpools and Chelsea's even are, are they willing to risk no, key yeah. plays in this competition? Because Arsenal, I think, you know, I wouldn't say we have like the best players of the lot, but I think our squad dev is like so, much better because like you can use a Pepe in in a Carabao Cup game. Compared, it, it's almost like you you got the, the situation now, or it's happened now. Also, the past um, a few seasons, also now. When you see, like a team, say Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, or whatever, they've got like say fourteen or fifteen or even eighteen 
real, you know, good, good players. But once you get through that, and look, of course, sometimes through to through fatigue or uh, injuries and that. Once you, if they start, their squad starts getting thin, they're already down to the youngsters. Whereas Arsenal, as you said now, they've got that depth. So it's almost like, as much as some of those people have a chuckle, and say, oh yeah, we've got El Nene or whatever. But I mean, at least you've got somebody with that sort of, like an international with that sort of experience that can be on your bench or can even start your, a game for you without, you know, a, a, you know, too much adapting. Yeah, so so I'm, I think, you know, the Carabao Cup game, I think Arsenal could, you know, Sinico in there, especially if, if Liverpool don't go full strength, because I do think Arsenal's reserves are stronger than the likes of Liverpool's team. So, you know, maybe for me, a, a, um, a draw and a, a win will, will put a smile on my face. Yeah, because I mean, Arsenal were also on the revenge for last season's shootout defeat to Liverpool. And I mean, a, a bizarre game that ended in normal time, 5-5. Oh, yeah, it's... That was a game that, you know, I thought you were going to take it and then it just kind of ripped away and then the penalties also ended bizarrely. And I just think that was, you know, the the, the depressive side that that that, that um, Emery brought to us where there's just consistent disappointment and he just thought it couldn't get any lower. Then he decides, oh, yes, it can. But, I mean, if you think of it, Arsenal also have to be cautious. You know, I'm not. we're not saying now, you know, go in thinking, you know, we we big time Charlie's going to that game. But I'm just thinking, because Liverpool, some of that, that, that youngsters of Liverpool have even dispatched, you know, teams like Everton and, and of course, us also in the, in the Cup. So I think Arsenal also have to be cautious. But, I mean, you know, when the opportunity arises in that game especially, you know, put them to the sword once and for all. I think it will be a good confidence boost there. And hopefully, you know, the next draw you can get there. Uh, not, not no disrespect, but, like, you know, a lower a lower league side, perhaps, you know, just to, to get the play. And I think, the, the the reserves or you know the kind of the the, um, the deputies almost of the first eleven should actually show you know we want to play more games and you can prove yourself in this competition so hopefully they go out and do that because you know I think you look at the likes of a Liverpool side you, none of their first front three will probably um, replace the likes of um, Firmino Salah and Mane you know regardless of how good of a game you have in the cup. Whereas in Arsenal, I think if you know, like so Pepe shines, you might see William, you know, be dropped to the bench, and Pepe will come and play, and William will drop to this Carabao Cup squad. So, you know, there's a lot on the line for the Arsenal team relative, I think, to the Liverpool side, and I think, you know, hopefully we can take advantage of that. Yeah. So now we switch our attention to the talking points as we start winding down the podcast. Um, the transfer of Runa Runason is now official. He'll be wearing the squad number 13. So, I mean, I think he probably will get the the game on. You know, I think I think it's a Wednesday. I mean, some people are saying it's a Thursday night game. Some have been saying it's a Wednesday night game. But I, I still think it's going to probably be the Wednesday night. But um, that being said, Runasson will probably make his debut there for Arsenal. Yeah, I, I'm a bit interested to see, you know, what he's going to offer up because I don't know, you know, much of him. I haven't seen much of him. So, it's going to be something new and I hope. You know, the likes of, you know, Saliba comes on and gets an opportunity as well. I mean, the way that Runasan explained himself when, when asked by Arsenal TV, um, he said he sees himself more as like what you call a sweeper-keeper. He normally helps out the defence. And, you know, but I think probably if, you know, that sort of goalkeeping, like, you know, that we see Manuel Neuer do normally for, for Bayern, we can also act as a last one. I mean, look, Leno's also done it the other day. You know, one of the teams, I don't know if it was the, the 
relates to the game where they were quick on the break and he was already immediately there to you know clear the ball when, when the whole defense was caught high up the field. Um, back to the talking points, uh, Torreira to Atletico Madrid seems to be dragging on as a tussle over the old Thomas party thing as well as going on because I think both parties are still you know in disagreement because uh, Atletico Madrid want a season-long loan with an option to buy, whereas Arsenal want a straight either sale or swap plus cash for Thomas Party. So we'll see how that still pans out because look, uh, transfer window closes October 5th. So we'll see how that now also plays out. Then, of course, Arsenal linked also to uh, Jorginho. Oh, um, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, Thomas Party. Because, I mean, I just think to myself, he's way too similar to Gunnar Xhaka. He's also not that mobile. I mean, if you see the Chelsea team, if you can do like one of the triangle or one-two passes around him, he's not going to catch you really. So I don't think that's what we're looking for because my mindset is we need someone... Like, if you not just take, say, Everton, for example, the minute they now brought uh, Dakore in from Watford, you can actually see the whole midfield dynamic of, of Everton now change because Dakore does now the, the dirty work, box-to-box running and that. And so he's almost like opening this path for James Rodriguez. And I think... That is what Arsenal is looking for. Somebody like a midfielder that, like that that can kind of carve the way open for us for, you know, to give the, the more creative people like, say, Sebayos or somebody, or William even the opportunity to get goal-scoring chances or goals even. Oh, and actually, that thought was blue in the face almost. You know, Decore when Watford got relegated, I really thought that he was a, a good option to bring into the club. I mean, he's not oh, like a world-class where, you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona are looking for him. But he does a fantastic job in the midfield and he breaks up play. And can you imagine the presence he would have had in the Arsenal side? So I think we've missed the trick here. And I think, you know, we have to try to force out with Atletico Madrid to kind of bring a party in to do the, the, that type of graph in the midfield because he covers up ground and that's something we miss within a, in the middle of the park. Yep. And then, of course, Kosielny has finally now apologised for the controversial... Bordeaux unveiling video that he did a few years back. And I mean, I just think as a skipper that, you know, that he should have known better as an Arsenal skipper at the time. Because I feel this this whole excuse was like a year and a half too late. He could have done it like way early because he said he didn't expect that sort of backlash. Now, I mean, you got to think, I mean, if it's, you get, if it's just a normal run of the multiplayer, but I mean, you're the club captain and you end up doing a video like that. So, I mean, for me, it's almost like too late for sorrows like that now. Yeah, no, I think you know, Arsenal fans, whatever he could have done for the club, not that it's forgotten wholeheartedly, but yeah. you know, almost like tarnished his his reputation slightly by by going about doing things that way. And then the thing I want to just bring up quickly, you know, before we wind down, yeah. um, is that you know, Mesut Özil, you know, what's happening? You know, you would expect. I mean, he could have played a part in a, a game in the Carabao Cup, but he's just seemingly non-existent um, I think you mentioned you mentioned to me privately that Arteta you know was asked questions in the media and no, no one really you know there wasn't a concrete answer about what's happening I mean we're paying this guy probably just as much as Aubameyang or slightly more even and he's he's not pulling his weight I mean you could bring in more plays I mean party you could probably entice with half of that wages to come into the club but you know, it just seems like it's an ongoing holiday for Ozil. Because I, what, what frustrates me is if the club are more upfront to the fans with, with the situation, I think whether good or bad, we'd accept the decision. But if you're going to keep us 
you know, kind of, you know, just hanging, uh, leading the line and, and, and us not really knowing what's the story. So it leaves, you know, more, you know, questions up in the air. So as I say, more questions unanswered because we want some sort of clarity somehow because is he still or do we just write him off for the season and whatever? Because for me, it's like, if you think it's something like, what, 20-something million that, that yeah, you've got now just got sitting at home. He's just coming to training. And that is it. He's not even in the match the squad. He's not even, you know, sometimes are the like players in the can attend the, uh, the matches, uh, like, you know, in the stadium, in the, one of those boxes. But I mean, he's not even there for that. So what is going on? Same with Matthew Mendoza. Is, is there still some sort of hope for him? Or is it not definite that he is, you know, with his one foot out of the door? Yeah, I think Arsenal fans just want some transparency with that. So as uh, we end off now, I just want to give our listeners also opportunity. You can also listen to us on Amazon Podcast. That is a new thing that we started a few weeks ago. Uh, we're also available on uh, Spotify and or, like under all like, you know, like under Canon Talk. And I mean, we're also on most podcasting hosts. Like you know, there are many around, and you just need to type in the search engine Canon Talk, and that's where you'll find us. And with regards to other social media, I'll switch the attention now to Aiden. Um, firstly, I want to give Marcel Pauls a shout out because he, he said that Edin Ketia was going to score the goal when he came on the pitch and I had none of it. So, you know, big ups for him for calling that. And then with our Twitter page, you can search Canon Talk or our handle is at TotallyArsenal1. So if you guys want to interact and give us a follow perhaps on, on Twitter, you know, in, um, DM us as well to to maybe give us also your thoughts, opinions, questions, so how we can improve on our side. And then on Instagram as well, it's Talk 36 is our handle, and Talk is the name you can search as well. Also, you know, feel free to give us a follow and also um, DM us as well, because as podcasters, we also want to, you know, do things to, to add more interest to the listeners as well. So, yeah, share your thoughts and opinions and give us some good feedback as well. Okay, and I think that's a wrap for us, guys. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the game. It's going to be an old flood of football coming up. Take care. Bye. Enjoy the game, guys, and hopefully we can get that win or at least a point.